Hello again, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. I'm Jim Stedman, editor of Cotton Grower, and with me, as always, my colleague and friend, Beck Barnes. Well, Beck, it's been a, uh, a busy two weeks in the cotton business, and all you have to do is look back at the weather patterns for the past 12 or so days, and you're going to find rainfall, some of it fairly significant in nearly every part of the cotton belt. Some areas may not have needed it more than others, Mother Nature drops enough moisture into the High Plains area to kickstart their planting season, then it's it's truly a good thing. Yeah, no, no two ways about it. After the 2022 season that we saw, and man, you couldn't help but feel terrible for those guys in the Southwest last year. It was kind of a long, slow, painful death of that crop uh, for a lot of people. And so, yeah, when I was looking at the Weather Channel this weekend, saw those storms moving across the high plains, I was happy, uh, or that was in the forecast, and I was happy for them. I was texting uh, some buddies in Lubbock. Today is Wednesday as we record uh, the 24th, and I was texting some buddies out there on Monday with the first day, or at least from my what I'd seen, that some storms were going to be out there. So they got a little bit in Lubbock on Monday. A lot of it was moving kind of north and east of them from Lubbock, but that the forecast was good, I think, throughout this week for some storms every day. So we are watching and cheering and uh, yeah, hope, hope everybody gets a good gully, gully wash out there. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, again, it sort of ties into some of the recent reports we've gotten from our, our, our contributing crop scan ag report consultants. Uh, they kind of tell that story too. Uh, with rainy days, slowing field work and, and planting in parts of the Carolinas, we've had uh, Anywhere from a quarter inch to five inches of rain in parts of South Georgia, depending uh, on where you were standing, as I, as, as I understand it. Uh, you've had planting slowdowns and weed explosions in, uh, in central Texas. And you've got, you know, again, as we discussed, some happy folks up on the high plains. So, um, again, when you take a look at, at USDA crop progress report for this week, you'll see that 45% of the U.S. crop is now planted. That's up 10 percentage points in the past week, which was up 13 percentage points the week before. So, you know, the planters are really, really rolling. You know, but even with that, we're still five points off the five-year average for the date, but probably not for long. Uh, every state showed some healthy planting increases in the past week. Uh, the biggest jumps came in South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee, all with over 20-point increases or more. So, uh we're really off to a good start at this point. And it's, uh, it's good to hear it. You can almost hear the smiles over the phone when you're talking to folks at this point. But, uh, you know, we're also just a few weeks away from the close of the 2022 cotton marketing year. And joining us today to discuss and possibly help wrap this year up is Dr. Don Shirley, Professor Emeritus of Agricultural Economics at the University of Georgia. Before we bring Don in, there are just a couple of news items of interest to cotton that we'd like to share. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jim, I'm going to take the first one and I'm going to uh, add a word of caution. I, I have been calling for pollen season uh, on this podcast and it hit me in the face. So forgive me if I'm sniffling or making other unsavory noises here, but we'll edit, we'll edit those out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, out of necessity. Um, yeah, there'll be some, be some little blips in the commentary. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll tell you, though, I was happy to uh, saw this 
story in the today's episode. And yeah, boy, I, I volunteered to tell it because uh, it's such a good story. You know, when I first started working in this industry 15 years ago, one of the things that was so readily evident was how strong the association work and the organizational work that goes on in the cotton industry is because so many of the farmers get involved and do volunteer their time and their efforts. So uh, with that in mind, listen to this story. The Bangladeshi government has relaxed a nearly five-decade-long fumigation requirement on U.S. cotton imports, and uh, that is due in part to a 2022 Cotton Council International Tour of the U.S. cotton industry by a delegation from the Bangladesh Ministry of Agriculture <clears throat> and continued efforts by USDA's U, uh, USDA Foreign Agricultural Service. So uh, this shift, it's a big deal. It removes a significant export barrier for U.S. cotton to Bangladesh, and it also saves their country's mills time and money as they look to the U.S. to fulfill their cotton fiber import needs. Those mills have been paying over a million dollars annually to cover unnecessary fumigation costs imposed on U.S. cotton that was imported uh, from here. So U.S. exporters are going to continue to use APHIS-generated phytosanitary certificates, which now contain additional language confirming that there are no live boll weevils are in the U.S. baled cotton. APHIS will issue revised instructions for exporters. Uh, it's a big deal because Bangladesh currently ranks as the number two global importer of cotton. It was a top 10 export market for the U.S. last year, and uh, it with exports there valued at over $477 million. So, you know, it's one of those deals where CCI and others, it sounds like to me, uh, had a delegation from Bangladesh over here, took them around the industry, some good old-fashioned, you know, feed of steak, give them a cold beer, do some politicking, do some, you know, back slapping and uh, having a good time, but also, yeah, certainly showing them uh, <clears throat> the strengths and technical aspects uh, of our industry. But, you know, it's politicking, man. It's, it's, you got to have relationships. And uh, we are, uh, our industry is world class at that. And so a big round of applause uh, for me to CCI and anybody else who was involved in uh, this diplomatic effort. And it's going to be a big deal. It's a big export market for us. You know, it's going to have real world impact on you guys uh, who are trying to market your cotton. This is the type of thing that y'all get involved for. It's the type of thing that you sometimes pay uh, into association work for. It's a big deal. So well done to everyone involved there. Definitely. Definitely. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that you really don't always realize what's happening behind the scenes on it until until the the final result comes comes through mm -hmm. and uh it was really just a, a dose of great news for the industry here in the past yeah. week so yeah we need to be better about taking a minute and applauding this type yes. of stuff when it happens so here that's what we're doing here okay well one more item and and this one is really uh for those of you who have uh young children uh on the farm or you have grandchildren around the farm uh, BASF has launched a safety scouts program for U.S. farm families to help support a safe growing season in 2023. Now, this program is designed to support children in learning about the value and importance of farm safety by providing free safety kits to families. Now, listen, listen carefully to how this works. There are two kits available. The safety scout kit 
is designed for children six years of age and younger. There's a safety captain kit for children seven and older that promotes additional safety tasks. Now, both of these kits include an adjustable child-sized safety vest that is compliant with safety standards, a customizable name badge, some safety-themed activity or coloring sheets, a safety pledge, a BASF Safety Scouts reward badge, and an official BASF Safety Scouts participant certificate. Just the kind of thing that kids would just love to have and, and, and be part of uh, as you're going through the growing season this year. Now, the Safety Scouts program from BASF, they will provide 2,000 kits to farm families throughout the U.S., plus an additional 2,000 kits are going to be available to, uh, to children up in Canada. All kits are free of charge as long as supplies last. So if you're interested, learn more about this program and how to receive a free kit, go to this website. It's repfinder.basf.com. And let me spell it for you. That's R-E-P-F-I-N-D-E-R dot B-A-S-F dot com. And let's see how many little cotton kids we can uh, we can adorn with uh, with their safety uh, safety vest this year. And and, and if, if you manage to do it, I'd love to get some photos for our Cotton Kids page as well. Yeah, yeah. Get that, get that badge on, kind of like a, a sheriff's badge, you know, type thing I would have loved when I was on the farm as a kid. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, now we're pleased to welcome Dr. Don Shirley, Professor Emeritus of Agricultural Economics with the University of Georgia in Tifton, back to the Cotton Companion Virtual Studio. Don's advice on cotton marketing has been valuable to many a cotton grower in Georgia over the years, and I'm sure he has plenty to say about navigating this current crazy cotton market. Don, it's good to connect with you again. How are things in that greater South Georgia area going? Jim, thank you so much for contacting me and reaching out. Uh, it's an honor to, to be on the program. Uh, things are great here. Uh, moisture looks good. Uh, the planting is coming along well, and uh, for the most part, from what I can tell, is uh, coming up nicely without any major issues so far. So I think, I think for the most part, the Georgia crop is off to a good start. Well, that's great. Well, let's look. Let's look at the market here because you know this time last year, we were we were on this cotton roller coaster that was hitting some pretty high peaks, and when you do that, you inevitably you're going to have a drop, and we did. Um, and today we've been on a, a five-month up-and-down ride that's uh, that's really been hard to get a handle on almost from day to day. Is this current market okay? Keep riding in this range at least for a few for a little while longer. Well, the drop in price that we had for last year's crop was due largely to two things. So let, let's let, let's back up and talk about last year first. Okay. That that drop in price last year was due to the U.S. crop eventually coming in larger than it had earlier anticipated. You know, I remember when the crop reports started coming in every month, everybody was thinking, you know, eventually it's going to go down, eventually it's going to go down. Well, really it never did. And uh, last year's crop, came in larger than we had earlier anticipated. And also there was a big decline in the uh, demand or use of cotton worldwide, what I've called uh, um, um, demand destruction. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't remember the exact 
percentage, um, but every month when USDA would come out with their supply and demand estimates, the first number I would look at would be that world use number, and it and it was always eroding a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more every month. So those were the two main reasons. Um, if you look at this year, you mentioned about it getting hard, getting a hard hard to get a handle on when you look at this year at least one way to look at it there are just so many i guess jim what i would call non-cotton factors right that are on the demand side right now that are impacting price the value of the dollar the action in the stock market interest rates political tensions and more recently, we've got this uh, concern over the budget and the deficit spending uh, situation. All of that, I mean, to to a cotton farmer out there, I know all that seems that it shouldn't be related to the market, but it certainly is, and it has been. And I guess, in in my opinion, those so-called non-cotton factors are one of the things or some of the things that are making the price direction so difficult to get a handle on. Uh, you recently defined three different levels in this current market, and uh, I found that fascinating. What what are those three levels, and how does each one impact growers? Well, I was, I was trying to give the grower something to think about. Uh, everything that I do I try to make it educational, and um, you know, I I was trying to give the grower something to think about to begin to decide on how to proceed if and when pricing this 23 crop. There were three levels that I talked about: expected, optimistic, or better than expected, and then pessimistic or worse than expected. Um, the expected range in price is based on the current situation, what we think we believe and know right now. And you mentioned earlier, just a few minutes ago, about this five-month trading range we've been in. We've been in this range from 79 to 86 cents now for better than five, five months. So based on everything that we think we know, that seems to be the range in price, 79 to 86 cents, that's expected and that the market seems comfortable right now based on what we think we know to trade in. Now, some growers may begin to price in the upper part of that range. Uh, we get up to in the 85, 86 cent area. Some growers may begin to pull the trigger and start doing some prices. Uh, the optimistic range, or better than expected, I would say is 86 to 91, and it's possible, that price range is possible if the U.S. crop gets smaller and if the demand continues to improve. We, we're starting to see a little optimism and not so much negativity on the demand side, so if the demand side continues to show improvement, um, then that better than expected range, 86 to 91 cents, I think is where the market's going to go. 
some growers are going to hold off and uh, wait on something with a nine in front of it. Yeah. So that's what they're waiting on. Um, the pessimistic range, Jim, I put at 74 to 79, and that's possible if the demand is disappointing. If we go back to some weakness in demand, uh, and if the U.S. crop is getting off to a good start and really lo looking like it's going to be good. So all three of those are possible, but that 79 to 86 is where we are now based on what we know, what we think we know. Well, you know, planting is, as we, as we've discussed uh, for this year's crop is certainly off and running now pretty much all over the cotton belt. Uh, and I looked at the latest numbers this week and Georgia's showing up at 51% planted. Did you know that? Yes. In, their, in the prospective plantings report back at the end of March, USDA was predicting roughly, I think, 11.3 million acres of cotton this year. And it's down about 18% from last year. How good does that number feel to you right now as growers are starting to get busy? I've always thought we would be no more than 11 million. And I've been kicking and screaming that I think that's about where the acreage is at. But... um. You know, every survey number that we've come out, including y'all's own cotton grower survey, has shown over 11 million acres. Um, but I've always thought that we would be no more than 11. Um, comparative prices still favor other crops in some areas. Uh, but really, I've got no strong reason to question uh, USDA's 11.3 number that you mentioned. Um, but I will say we have what looks to be a lot of corn and soy and corn and peanut acres here in Georgia. So I wouldn't be surprised if our cotton acres come in a little shy of, of what USDA said back in March. Uh, they had us uh, drop into 1.2 million down. That'd be down 90,000 acres from last year. So I wouldn't be surprised just based on what I'm seeing out there that our cotton acreage here in Georgia might actually come in a, a little bit less than that 1.2. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll have those those final planted numbers by the end of September. But uh, by then, we'll, we'll know what we have anyway. Yeah. Well, well, the first acreage numbers will come in the end of June. We'll have so we'll have that coming in, but again, you know, that's still as as we all know, uh, the conditions in in Texas and elsewhere as that affects how many acres are actually going to be harvested, right? And uh, and what the yield will be, the market really moves on that rather so much on planted acres, right? Let's take a look. The twenty twenty two crop marketing cotton marketing year is is pretty much is getting ready to end. And uh, export numbers have been looked really pretty good recently. Uh, and I know USDA put a goal of, you know, wanting to ex ship 12.6 million bales before this new marketing year ends. You think we can meet that? And, and how important is that number to the industry? That's a great question. And, and, and I get that question a lot. The best answer that I can tell you is there's a lot of uncertainty out there we mentioned about all these things that are affecting demand, some of them what we call non-cotton factors. 
there's just so many things out there that are affecting the demand side. And the market moves, has shown that it's willing to move up on anything that seems to be positive. When when USDA put that most recent 12.6 number out there, uh, the market reacted to that positively. And, you know, when I first saw that number, I was surprised by that big a jump. You know, months a few months ago, USDA had revised it from 12 up to 12.2, right. I believe it was. And then this month increased that number again up to 12.6. And I was surprised by that big a jump. But then I sat down and started crunching the numbers. And believe it or not, we're actually, our exports recently have actually been so good that we're actually above the pace to do the 12.6. So um, who knows? We, that 12.6 number might might get increased again as we get a, another month or two uh, toward the close of the marketing year. So we need to continue that type of optimism on the on the demand side to kind of counter some of all of all of the uncertainty on the demand side that's out there. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if, if I'm a cotton grower who's still holding some of my old crop in storage, what should I be thinking about doing right now before this uh, this marketing year ends and July futures kick in? Should I, uh, should I keep holding on to it? What kind of trigger price should I be looking for based on the way this market's been going? Well, to answer that question, I think it depends on what percentage of the old crop you're still holding on to most growers that I work with and that I've contacted uh, really don't have much of anything left to sell out of out of old crop. Um, those that do, and I'm I'm guessing this is characteristic, pretty much of all growers. Uh, probably most of them, if, if they have something to sell, it's a relatively small percentage of of their old crop and. Uh, if you if you look at where prices have been and and think about where we are right now, um, I think July futures in that I'll say eighty six to eighty nine cent area seems like a good target to me. Now we're a little below that now, but um, on the uh, July. But if July makes another run up into that eighty six to eighty nine area. That would seem to be a, a pretty good target for a grower that's still got something left to sell. Sure. Let's sort of spread our scope here just a little bit for, for a moment and talk about world production and, and uh, the whole situation around the world. Now, we got news here in the past week that fumigation uh, standards uh, that were in place with Bangladesh have now been reduced. And, uh, and that looks like uh, good news, certainly for the U.S., industry, but certainly also for the mills and uh, and folks in Bangladesh who had, had to pay premiums or, or tariffs, I guess, to a certain extent on importing U.S. cotton. Um, what's world production looking like this year? Uh, any good opportunities for U.S. cotton? And, and maybe what uh, which customers and, and, and even competitors do we need to be watching closely as, as we move through this year? You mentioned Bangladesh. 
our 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 listeners may or may not remember we went through a a, a few years there and it hasn't been that long ago where our exports to uh, Vietnam and Bangladesh were really carrying us. I mean, those were those were major new markets seemed to be expanding for us, and we sold a lot of cotton to Bangla to mills in Bangladesh and uh, uh, Vietnam. Haven't heard so much about that lately. Um, so we need to look at that situation and see what's going on, whether it's the yarn market, uh, whether China is is improving uh, their imports and so that they're taking some of that away from what they used to get from uh, Bangladesh and Vietnam. But I read a report, I, I saw a report recently where both India and China and it was weather related or kind of off to a to a rough start on this year's crop. Um, India is a major competitor of ours in the export market. And of course, China is our number one buyer, our number one export buyer. So um, if those two countries are are off to not so good a start, then uh, that would bode well for us, and the market may not be reflecting that yet. So there's there's a possibility there that uh, that that situation um, could help us down the road in uh, terms of our export potential. Any word? Any any thoughts on on what's going on in Brazil right now in terms of of their production? Because you know, they they seem to be closing in on us year after year after year in terms of export numbers. Yeah, uh, you know they they're a big export uh, buyer. I mean, a, a big export uh, producer, and uh, have been competition for us. I haven't seen or read too much recently about exactly what is is going on there, but um, they are a major or can be a major competitor for us uh, in exports. They don't have a bill industry to really speak of down there, but but everything they produce is uh, going out, shipped overseas. So uh, uh, if, if they are having a good crop and and uh, um, are able to, to get markets for it, then that's major competition for us. Sure. Well, we're just going to keep our fingers crossed that this, this pretty decent start we're off to in, in, in the U.S. for this year continues uh, and that we end up with, uh, you know, with a, with a good decent crop uh much better than last year without 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 some of the headaches at least well i get it you know i get a sense that some of the cost of production has kind of eased up a little bit but our costs are still awfully high compared to where they were three or four years ago and uh you know the one of the most recent pieces that i put out talking about talked about cotton uh-huh. knocking on the door at 85 cents and I've had several growers contact me and say, "Hey, we need cotton knocking on the door called a dollar." <laughs> and um, so, you know, eighty-five cents, you know, an eighty-five cent market doesn't excite anybody, but that's what we're in right now, and we, we just have to hope that we can 
get an opportunity with something with a nine in front of it and eventually maybe knock on that dollar door. But, you know, we're not there yet, but there's, there's still some potential out there. As I said, that's the, that's the optimistic scenario and we can get there, but things have to line up to get us there. Right. Well, we got, we got to get the crop in the ground and we got to keep a few showers falling out in the high plains to, uh, to get that crop up and moving too, which, which of course is a whole nother story. Uh, unto itself. Yeah. With that, I think Don, we're gonna we're gonna call time on this discussion. Uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate you so much for taking time to uh, visit with us today, share your perspective on the market and, and the crop for this year. Uh, we do appreciate it, and hope we can visit again soon. Thank you, Jim. Again, it's an honor to be with you, and uh, I appreciate very much y'all reaching out to me. Thank you, Don. So, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. A big thanks to Dr. Don Shirley. It was good hearing from him. Uh, we thank him for joining us today and sharing his thoughts and advice on navigating the current cotton market. And as always, we want to thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did and you like what you've heard, please be sure, spread the word, tell your farming buddies, especially about the Cotton Companion Podcast. It's planting season. There's long hours in the in the planter uh, here in the next month. We know you're getting bored in there. There's only so much talk radio you can listen to. Uh, tell your buddies about the Cotton Companion podcast. We're happy to ride along with you. Here's where and how you can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. The Cotton Companion Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues, world headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. I'm Jim Stedman, he's Beck Barnes, and we'll be back with you in two weeks, the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Till then, keep those planters rolling and stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all 